0: we Welcome to This Endo Life, episode 17. I'm Jessica Duffin, and this podcast is all about bringing you guests who are battling chronic conditions and mental health issues in their own unique ways and are changing the lives of others with their amazing work. This episode is sponsored by the Gluten-Free Baking Academy. The Gluten-Free Baking Academy was started by the lovely Heather Crosby, who's been on the podcast twice before. It's a four-week online course designed to help you to live a life that still has bread in it, still has bagels in it, still has pizza bases in it um, even with endometriosis or other um, gluten sensitivities or intolerances. The course is four weeks and it's online. It includes 18 lessons so that's six hours in total and six start to finish baking videos broken up into four weekly modules so module one is rules and tools so what you need for baking and like the basics so you understand like how to bind and things like that flatbreads is the second week so from tortillas to flatbreads to crepes quick breads is the first third week and yeasted breads, so sandwich loaves um sourdough bread oh my gosh which i can't wait to make and then on top of that you get Bonuses once you've finished it, you get a heap load of recipes. Um, so in total, it's a, I think 36 total recipes, and they include English muffins, burger buns, um, monkey bread, cinnamon rolls, just all those kind of things that you miss. If you are interested in taking a free tour or um, enrolling, enrollment ends on. March the 4th and the course starts on March the 5th. If you follow the links in my show notes to the Free Bacon Academy, then you will either be able to enroll or take the course store there. And by using these links, you will be supporting this endo life and helping me to keep providing free podcasts and free content to help others with endometriosis. Today, I am talking to Gail Loveshock. Gail is a transformation and happiness coach. Reiki healer, meditation teacher, and interfaith minister. Yeah, I hope you enjoy. I am aware that these episodes have got more and more spiritual as time has gone on. But I think I want to bring a balance to the kind of subjects that we cover. And when you are living with endometriosis or a chronic condition, so much of it is physical, so much of it is medical and it's all about science and it's all about drugs and it's all about very practical physical treatments and i think we can sometimes forget the soul the spirit or just the heart the emotions if you're not into the soul and spirit you don't believe in it that's cool um i'm not always very clear on what i believe in anyway so um i just think that when it comes to improving our lives um it's important to look at the mind body spirit, heart, soul, just the emotional side, you know, and that can help us with getting through the really hard times or working out why we're feeling so depressed, um, you know, so I just, I have gravitated towards the more emotional aspects of things, more alternative recently, but next season is very, um, is really focused on symptoms um, and, more, I guess, more of the physical practical side So um, that will balance out really nicely I'm gonna like give you a heads up now This this is the most spiritual of them all um, And I kind of explain why I want Gail on the show In the interview But I think just to kind of give you an awareness We are all so, well many of us feel really really isolated With endometriosis and it can be really hard when you want to connect with people or to something higher and you're feeling so alone and so isolated. And Gail was really about nourishing the soul and the emotions and the mind-body connection, How mind-body-soul connection. So it's a really big focus on looking at all three of them together and how that relates to our, like, soul well-being i'm using soul in my like air quotes but it can be whatever you interpret that to be it is a little bit out there for some people if it's too out there for you that's cool but i really hope it resonates with some of you and it helps you this is a really long episode i am aware i tried to cut it as much as i could um but it was such a rich and long convo it was so much longer than this but i feel like i felt like i couldn't cut any more without doing you guys a disservice so i've left the real juicy bits in so free so feel free to have a listen in chunks or run a bath and binge on the whole thing whatever works for you so um i was thinking it would be good to start with your story with endometriosis because Mm -hmm. i know Mm -hmm. that um you had quite a lot of things happen with Mm -hmm. like accidents and body mind stuff going Mm -hmm. on but obviously with the podcast being about endometriosis I just kind of wanted to zoom in on that predominantly but it's also quite interesting to see the connections so Mm -hmm. you know if any of that comes up then feel Mm -hmm. free but I'd love to hear your story
1: yeah sure well I think I think like a lot of particularly British adolescents um my doctor basically recommended I start taking the contraceptive pill when I was probably about 12 or 13. Wow that's you young. Know, really young and I so and I had my first kind of break bleed when I was about nine. Wow. So that was so development in my body was was really young mm. so so by the time yeah by the time I'd had yeah a, an irregular cycle um which is not obviously irregular that was my body just you know finding her rhythm finding her hormones but there was um there was discomfort and there was what I understood or felt to be an above average level of pain even as a as an adolescent and a young teenager Mm. so then I was on I took the contraceptive pill and and it's and didn't really particularly have any symptoms until I think I was in my in my early 20s, I think I was 21. Mm. And then at 21, 22, I'd graduated from university. Um, and I, yeah, had moved to London and had come out of a, a relationship and was singing and uh, singing. Mm. <laughs> I really was singing, actually. I was so happy to be single. But um, I really wanted, I was really looking forward to being celibate. So I I, I decided to stop taking the pill. Yeah. And then that was really when, when my body started communicating to me in, in, in quite a loud voice, I think, I think we would say I um I developed, you know, early symptoms, for example. Um so I, I had polycystic ovaries and endometriosis. Yeah. And so um and so there was, yeah, different symptoms that were beginning to show. So I didn't actually begin a cycle again for six or seven months after stopping taking. Gosh pill so my body obviously everything had completely shut down so i was in winter for quite a long time Mm. um but then i yeah i had sort of started to develop you know sort of um like mustache hair for example a little bit of hair around the chin yeah a little bit of hair on um you know like around my tummy button for example um and just yeah my my body was shifting a little bit i trained as a dancer so i was always it's interesting i always had more stamina resilience and strength but not necessarily as much flexibility which is part of my body makeup but i also think actually part of um i actually do think it was part of the gift that endometriosis gave to me, interestingly, that um, I might not have had that amount of capacity, perhaps, if my if my body had been working in a different way at the time. Um, mm. And then I it was just it was very irregular, very painful. Um, I started to date a guy at the time and I just said, look, I, I'm just not feeling, you know, kind of like this was about 18 months, a couple of years later. Um, uh, kind of I you know, just everything's feeling really peculiar and I don't know what my cycle is. So I think that was by the time I was about 24. Yeah. So I went, so I had my first referral for, um, all the oscopies as I think of them. (laughs) So (laughs) when they just, they just sort of lacerate tiny bits of, of you essentially and go in and have a good dig around.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, and then I think you know for anybody that that hasn't gone through the experience of pre-consultation consultation and then through into surgery one of, one of the most really frightening and unspoken elements about that was was that extraordinary waiver that they make you sign essentially before they put you under anesthesia which essentially says you know if we accidentally laser off a fallopian tube that's on you not us mm. and, and obviously it's not quite as barbaric as that <laughs> yeah but essentially, you know, that's what they're saying that, you know, if your fertility is affected, then that is that is a risk, uh, you know, that you you and your um, sound piece in mind, you know, have to have to sort of sign up for. So mm. but I just remember. Um, so we didn't realize there was endometriotic adhesions at the time, but certainly from the both the internal and external scans I'd had both of my fallopian tubes, they essentially looked like really quite beautiful flowers actually they were um but that was obviously because there was so many held eggs that weren't that weren't getting getting past the point right, right, yeah. of their you know of their of their creation so they weren't doing um as I refer to it the sort of Busby Barkley MGM musical slide <laughs> down below the tube and then into the into the womb space <clears throat> and then for me I had and, and it aligns in in part with also the development of my um of my work these days. So I had a very spiritual and very mystical experience when I when I started um to to come around from sort sort of post procedure to post operation um because I've been under general anesthetic. And I yeah. I I just heard this voice say, Gail, they did a lot more than they said they were going to do. It's really gonna hurt. Can you just take a breath and prepare yourself? And I just I heard it so wow. clearly, as if somebody was standing right beside me. And then in that instant, there was just this unparalleled sensation of pain, you know, in in the abdomen. Which because it had transpired that then there was um, adhesions, and they they had indeed decided to to laser them. And sort of as I as I opened both eyes that that pain was was quick to capture my attention and then there was nobody standing around me so that that mystical experience really had been what i considered um a a very pure interaction with the divine or with the with the angelic team as i think Mm -hmm. about or or you know or perhaps even that somewhere my subconscious was very clearly able to communicate that you know it had been aware and witness to what had happened on the on the operating table, but, um, and giving me a little bit of warning. And then, um, a few minutes later, the, the surgeon was, was very generous, um, in coming towards me and then proceeding to show me photographs essentially of my open insides. Yeah. And, lovely which you know which is a which is a, an unexpected self-portrait mm. I think yeah we might we might say so I had all these sensations this, this real discomfort these these images um which interestingly I kept for years and years because I I sort of I sort of felt unable to to release them mm. um and um, and, and until actually, a, a, um, a few years ago when I, when I really, I thought I just don't need to, I don't need to look at these and I don't need to keep these as, is some sort of, um, yeah, sort of talisman for, for that experience with, with that particular group of, um, of care, you know, of carers and, and that, that medical team were doing the best that they knew what to do with. Um, yeah. but in that instant, in, in all of those moments that were unfolding, I just, Made a, a an absolute divine oath that I would never again experience that type of pain. I would never again put my put my body or my hands, um, or put my body into the hands of of someone that thought it was appropriate to conduct themselves in that manner and in that moment of of almost what became hostile vulnerability, actually. And I really I began my own journey of of self care and and how I could therefore heal the polycystic ovaries and the endometriosis given that um given then and I'll I'll be forty this year, so you know, there's much more research available to us now. But given then, I mean really there was there was there was some information that was known it it wasn't recognized you know in the way in the way that it is now yeah. thank thank heavens but also i was I, I just had an acute instinct that it was possible to heal and it was possible to cure and no matter who told me that it wasn't i i wasn't taking that basically i was really kind of batting for the for the for the body you know and for the for the body to win mm. And then over the years, um, that's exactly what's happened. So I have a very regular cycle now. I ovulate from each side. Um, I have no endometriotic adhesions. I don't have any. I, I have I have pain if I've overdone it during ovulation. Yeah. In in my previous cycles, but I I have a perfectly healthy cycle, perfectly healthy fertility, and you know, my experience in between was that of of really going within, of really starting to work with the mysteries of the body of, I designed bespoke meditations and visualizations that, that really took me inside the body and working with and welcoming in as opposed to, we can often reject the dis-ease in the body. Mm. So, and It really also took me on that part of that feminine reclamation and awakening because all the alternative research I could find at the time, you know, a good 15 years ago, particularly coming out of Harvard and coming out of studies in America, was that we all, a little like um, cancer or other other challenges within the body, you know, have capacity for the endometriotic cells to be co-created and that there was a question mark or an inquiry around that in denying uh, my own femininity and i can only speak for myself so for example starting to take the contraceptive pill at such a young age with um uneducated alternatives at the time that in fact what had happened is that i had denied so much of myself i had created a war zone in my own womb right And so for me, it then became how did I, you know, how did I wave the white flag of surrender and just incorporate all those pieces back into my system, as opposed to thinking it was an ongoing battle that would never be won. And every medical professional was against me. And I just kept asking, how else could I look at this? How else could I approach this? You know, how else might I, yeah, might I be present to this? Um, if I have denied myself myself, mm. you know, you know, what can I, what can I do about it? And, you know, is it possible that it, that it could be that simple? Um, and yet that's probably one of the most complicated inquiries any, any human <laughs> <Yeah>. could have.
0: <laughs> Completely. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> so I think, you know, over the last 20 years, um, then, you know, so, so much of my life and my evolving through into a, a you know, a very rich portfolio, uh, you know, existence and way of working across different modalities and, and approaches essentially, you know, spiritual direction and, uh, and, and how we live, a, how we co-create a life strategy from spiritual direction. Um that's really brought me to, yeah, to, to where I am in into still working on the reclamation i would say but um but it's much much simpler and much much easier than it was once upon a time
0: mm. i'm really interested in the like meditation visualization mm. and like inner dialogue that you had mm. going on um mm. to like kind of get down to like the nitty gritty specifics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like what Because, I mean, I read on your um, website that you did a lot around diet as well and lifestyle changes. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm making an assumption here, but I'm assuming from your inner work that you got these direct, this like direction Mm -hmm. coming up and saying, okay, this is what you can try now. And this is what you can try now. So I'm just interested in hearing like, what did those meditations entail? Like, and visualizations, could you give Mm -hmm. an example Mm -hmm. for anyone who's
1: interested Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So when I when I first so for example uh, the if you can find yourself sitting comfortably or or lying down, you know, before going to sleep or f- first thing in the morning. Mm um you know place placing the palms flat on onto the abdomen you know on onto the belly and just even feeling the connection of the hands onto the onto the abdomen onto the stomach because it's so easy for us to begin to reject that part of ourself with an internal mean girl dialogue yeah. that we begin to also find it difficult to to show ourselves affection and and welcomed touch you know and even that can simply you know through hands onto the onto the the skin of the stomach Mm. and so even in that and just being available to to touch the belly essentially and accept it for for all it is because obviously we know there's that there can be a lot of inflammation a lot of bloating um a lot of rejection of that but just really being that that's the body right now as it is as it is at the moment And then for me, when I when I first went in and what I mean by that was I really just asked my body, can you can you show me what's going on in there? Can you give me a visual? Can you give me some some sign or some some connection so that I can understand what I'm working with? And and the first image I was given was was a really quite shocking, dark, bloody, uh, sort of puddled, wet, earth covered in barbed wire, Mm. absolutely covered in barbed wire. And I was, I was so shocked that, um, I just, I just remember, I can still remember now that I, that I just burst into tears, that there was, there was a part of me inside me that could feel that ravaged Mm. and, and could feel, um, and could feel that much pain, and so I would say to listeners as well, you know, that be be prepared when you begin the journey of inquiry, that what, what you see when you ask your body to, to show you, you know, hands on the belly, hands on the abdomen, what's going on in there? Can you show me or can you give me a color or, or can you give me a picture? It, it might be much darker than you'd anticipated. Mm. And actually part of that process is understanding the darkness of pain. And also understanding that everything is born in the dark, including us, you know, where the, the womb is dark, you know, we're, yeah, we're, we're, so we're created in the dark, we're born of the dark, everything, everything in nature is born of the dark. And it's okay. It's, uh, it's a really safe space. But again, because we're, you know, again, um, you know, we're trying to, to use spiritual terms, you know, bring a lot of light to things and, mm. and, you know, be present to things. But actually, sometimes it's OK to go into into the puddle, essentially the muddy puddle, um, yeah. which is which is a bit like my my uterus at the time. And so I thought and then again, so then I asked, I said, what would help, you know, what would help you? And I got this word back. Um, I heard um, recognition and I thought, OK, you know, and that's so much you know, asking for, you know, what would help or again, Sorry, can you give me sneezed. a word? So <laughs> no, that's all right, bless you. I take that as the sneeze of sneeze of affirmation yeah. way, of <laughs> <laughs> Which which really happens a lot in my work. There'll oh always be a sneeze from somewhere. So thank you for that. And so yeah, so this, you know, connection what is the image? Show me. You know, tell me, guide me. Being available for what it is without judgment, just accepting it for what it was, and then the next layer of that being, you know, what is it? You know, what what can I do? How can I help? And recognition. So, I remember thinking and saying, okay, I, I recognize you. I recognize this pain. I recognize this. This does not look like a luscious landscape where where life might blossom. And from there, I, you know, then said, okay, well, what's something, what, you know, what's something I could do, or how do we change this landscape? And I was just shown this image of a, of a seed, which again, interestingly, you know, over, over two decades, again, has become so much of, of my work and who I am. So Mm. I, I literally visualized planting seeds. And, and I, I just felt this, it was almost a contraction It wasn't. I wouldn't say it was a twinge, and it it was discomfort, but it wasn't pain. But it felt like my womb sighed. Thank you. You know, it felt like my womb sighed. Thank you. And I was just like, okay. And that, you know, that was the beginning. And that can be plenty. That could take a few minutes. That could take, you know, half an hour. That could, you know, it could happen in the bath. It could happen in the shower. It could, it could happen in a changing room. You know, hand to belly. And then breathing deeply into the belly as well, always coming back to breath mm. and then and then over over space and over time and i would I would say it was a in the first instance, it was probably a year. What started to happen was every day I would go into that visualization almost like I was walking into a garden.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I I would look around and I would see what was going on. And again, I would ask the same things, you know, what can I do for you? What's happening? Can you show me? Can you guide me? What do you want? What's something or an action I can take or what's something I can do? And then very, very gradually, the barbed wire started to retract. It started to dissipate and then tiny, tiny shoots um, of greenery started to to appear in in the visualization and then interestingly at the same time my cycle was it was moving and it was shifting and um i actually went and worked with a billings counselor which um billings is a um natural uh natural fertility so you're you essentially the you essentially learn how to measure your mucus. Uh, you right, take your yeah. temperature. You know, it it'll have various other names, but um, but it, but I essentially I think Billings may well have come out of um, Catholicism actually. Um, when I, when I think about it now, but at the time it was the only thing I could find which might help me understand. You know, just what was going on because mm. um, Western um, yeah, Western medicine wasn't being particularly fruitful in 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 my search or in my process yeah and then over a year or so understanding that a bit more I was tracking my cycles going in gardening if you will and then the barbed wire wasn't there one day and in its place was were essentially thornless roses these extraordinary blush gray roses which had began to bloom and to blossom And there was such a softness to them, you know, the perfume. And for for anybody that knows my work, I often work with roses and flowers and with the the idea that love perfumes inside here
0: Mm.
1: and really love perfumes inside here became that nourishing mantra, which I would hold my hands to my abdomen and just whisper and just imagine that love did perfume inside there, that it was really safe, that I was really safe, that everything was healing and everything was taken care of yeah and that was that was a really huge part of you know of 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 the emergence I think in the return to my to my femininity mm. and to reclaiming the cycles and and what I would say is it did take time I think you know there was quite a few there was um you know it was different partners there was different lovers there was different support so I really became attuned to And the support wasn't in the room or if it was mocked, it would almost set me back a little bit. It was really really interesting. Yeah. So, you know, cycles again would be affected. Pain would be affected. And then certainly, um, leading to my, yeah, to my, um, my husband, and he and I've been together for for almost 10 years. And, and at the time, at the beginning, I was really able, um, I was really able to say, you know, I've I've basically been working through this for, for about 10 years. And, you know, it does cause discomfort. And there's lots of different things. But, you know, this is what endometriosis and polycystic ovaries look like. And meditation and visualization is a huge part of that for me, and a, and a huge part of what has helped and Um, And just just that being accepted, you know, that really being accepted and not necessarily understood, because I think sometimes we also put a lot of pressure on our partners, friends, communities to um, to accept with knowledge, whereas actually sometimes just acceptance is is it's more than enough. You know, it's more than enough. They won't know. You know, my husband will never know what I'm going through if there's been a glitch in the system. You know and the and the pain levels that that come with that and the the debilitation that come that can come with that but likewise you know he can he you know he has his his toolkit you know that he can also readily um you know support with and that and that might be from the simplicity of kindness and helping me go through my diary and reschedule through to hot water bottles and lavender baths and you know, and, and particular teas, rose yeah. tea, for example. You know that that really helps. But I, but for me, it has always been. I could never get away from the instinct about that denial of the self. Was the was the pulpit, essentially, of where the first where the first question mark of of went into my womb. I, I yeah. I, I think also yeah. The journey of reclamation became more potent for me. Yeah. Visualization, tuning in you know breathing into the abdomen um accepting that it may or may not be a flat tummy you know that i might have a tummy that did or didn't look like um you know those that were in magazines or were mm. you know on television that um that the journey with the cells of endometriosis and in my case polycystic ovaries there is a there is an inquiry there's a really gentle inquiry to be in what we think of now and, and understand, or I understand more of now, in the divine feminine, which is about receiving, which is about receiving ourselves, mm. it's about receiving support, it's about receiving guidance, it's about receiving nourishment and Absolutely, as you referred to, you know, movement always helps. For me, yoga was was also a go-to and remains a go-to. You know, uh, lifestyle and food choices, sleep, all the very, very basic things which actually just generally help us as humans. Breath, hydration, getting out in nature, moving, eating well. um, And in fact, there's a Japanese, I can't remember what the word is, but it basically means 80% full. So that you leave twenty percent for digestion and comfort, right. and I think you know there's there was a huge part in that for me as well that um that actually my body was already full of pain and my trying to add anything else to it wasn't going to help. Mm. So therefore, going in and asking my body what it wanted, how could it respond? What would be helpful? What would be nourishing? And that will be very different to every individual. Um, actually there is something about 80% full, which allows for that 20%, which actually, again, in my life has become the mystical and the mystery of the divine. And that very, you know, one of those early interactions of the, you know, the mystery of divinity and support of saying, you know, that voice after the operation of Gail, you know, they've done a lot more work than they said they were going to. This is going to hurt. Prepare yourself,
0: mm.
1: you know, and that, that guidance is, has, you know, yeah really really was the beginning of a of a of a path of almost like the spirit gardener as i often think of um a lot of what i do of yeah connection surrender forgiveness spaciousness inquiry curiosity and finding yeah just finding stillness and peace in in the moments that are there
0: yeah it's really really beautiful actually i want to like i guess in a way, address the elephant in the in the podcast, I guess. Um, <laughs> I guess, some, like, some people, it's really rammed into us that there's no cure for endo. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: And um, obviously, we're not scientists. There's no known scientific cure. Um, but I guess there's, there's a difference between the word, like, healing and cure mm-hmm. and maybe... I reference to Hill quite a lot and I think in my perception of Hill, um I look at it as like maybe getting endo to a point where it's really manageable it's like not affecting my life mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. for example Jessica Milan I don't think she ever says the word Hill, but she I think she says manage but she lives mm-hmm. essentially like endo free I mean mm-hmm. she's She had a lap recently, um, and it turned out she's got loads of it. But she's she manages it so much that she can't. It doesn't affect her at all. She feels like completely healthy, and she actually feels amazing. So I think in my head, that's like how I would um, interpret like healing of it. That it's Mm -hmm. you know that it the disease might still be there on some level, but it's it's really or it might not have grown. But you know it's I guess just. I'm always careful with the word like cure but I at the same time I think everyone has every right to deal with their endometriosis in whatever way see like suits them Mm -hmm. so do you see yourself as like healed or like cured how would you like Mm -hmm. because you just mentioned it like early Mm -hmm, you know that was mm -hmm. a really big thing for you like Mm -hmm. saying that people were telling you that you couldn't cure it
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, d- I do see myself as cured. Um, yeah, I really do. Actually, I don't, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm just excuse my sort of fumbling for words. I'm just no, thinking okay. about that. I'm d- I, What I'm feeling into is actually, it's is always, always the societal challenge, the rebellion. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I cured myself of endometriosis. I mean, it, it feels sort of very big and suave, doesn't it? It's sort of, a. It's it feels like it's feels like such a powerful statement and, and yet yeah. yeah, it's a powerful statement. I, I believe in my own body to be my truth. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think that sometimes I, yeah, I have cyclical interruptions because I've, I have not lived well in the previous cycle. I, I don't put that down to endometriosis. I think if I did, then I would feel as if it was still something that was in me. Mm. that I that I that I carried um now look it's also fair to say you know I've I've had no um surgical inquiry for since since that first time so that it there may well be and I just don't know about it and perhaps I am managing it you know and, and managing it and living and and living well but I don't identify with it anymore and I think that was That's a big really, part yeah. of it Mm-hmm. You know and similarly with the polycystic ovaries they are allegedly uncurable and yet i know for a fact that that is not something that it that is being experienced in my body because i i wouldn't have a regular cycle um if that you know if that were the case Um, i don't have any symptoms you know the my weight's my weight you know my you know the I don't have facial hair or abdominal hair anymore. You know, there's all of these little, t- you know, the telltale signs, et cetera, that, you know, that we can often hide and that we're often worried about. Um, you know, there, there, I mean, if there is anything it's there in the presence of the fact I'm nearly 40 and there's a process that's happening in the body, but, you know, I don't put it down to, to, to necessarily the, um, yeah, the, that which we've been told, because I, for me, what happens and because I am so visual, because I, and because I'm around, um, because I am experiential in my understanding of of the world, words are very, very powerful. I mean, they, they are for all of us. But, but what I noticed was they're really um, and I think it's too easy to say that, is it positive thinking? But, um, you know, but actually just how I was thinking the words I was using that I was, um, I wasn't purposely working towards a healing or a curing, but I was absolutely working towards the, uh, the dissolving of the, the barbed sharp mm. imagery that my body was presenting to me. And I didn't want to just replace it like for like i wanted to go on the journey with my body i wanted to understand what she was experiencing and therefore how we could reconnect as one unit you know the body that carries this soul that is gail love shock in this lifetime i wanted to understand what she wanted not what i thought was best or that let's face it a very very male dominated part of medicine you know particularly 20 years ago was was telling me um now that's again that's not necessarily you know for everyone people might not be available to receive that and and it's okay and it doesn't mean it also doesn't mean by the way that i could heal or, or cure you know everyone through the visualization yeah. techniques you know um however i do work with a lot of women who are going through um endometriosis polycystic ovaries and interestingly heart um challenges of the heart so heart conditions i've had quite a few clients who've been on borderline um inquiry for for heart surgery and they haven't needed it anymore but i would be the i'd be the last person to start claiming capacity for actually miraculous curing but what i would say <laughs> is that i can introduce you you know exactly as we're talking about here and and what i would want to say as well because i i feel like are you um i don't want to make assumptions because i also don't want to freak you out but um are you um you're having feelings in your womb space and your your uterus during this conversation yes Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would say more on the left hand side than the right. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. Mm, yes. Yeah. Like, but it's kind of sensual. Yes.
1: yes. But yeah. 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 So that's that is wonderful because it um, it 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 is your body is being heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So even in how I'm speaking and what we're sharing, the in, the invitation is is right there. And, and if you're willing, I'd even invite you to place a hand if you wanted onto your abdomen to take a deep breath in if you haven't already, okay. and to see if there's any imagery that comes in for you so that you can experience it for yourself and the listeners who are listening, I invite you to do the same thing as well. You can pop one or two hands onto the abdomen can close the eyes and go within if you're in a safe place and not driving. And then, you know, just see, there may be some things that there, that tension you're feeling almost underneath and moving lower is then that's just the invitation of awareness. And again, there might not be imagery or sensation that leads you to being able to name it. But then there's, there's, there's just that understanding of where it is in the body of what the sensation is, you know, of if, if, if there is discomfort. And again, using the word discomfort, not the word pain. You know, where's the question mark? Perhaps even moving into the hip now or even into the lower back, around the the bottom kind of two or three vertebrae. You know, you can just really begin to feel into where that inquiry is. Mm. And it can feel a little heady. So if you're Mm. experiencing that dizziness that you are just now and, you know, just make sure both feet are flat on the ground because what's happening is you're opening up the channel of communication Yeah, and that's all we want. But really that's, that's all we want. And that, that's where, where I was. Now you also might be feeling a little bit of unexpected grief coming up as that channel of communication is, is opened. And that's okay, too, because this does come with grief, because we have disconnected from a part of ourselves, and now we are witnessing ourselves. It's like, you know, the um, the Sufis, the Desert Fathers, they, they refer to God as the old friend. So mm. for, for me, through this journey, my womb became the old friend, you know, and I would welcome conversation with her, you know, kind of almost imagining sitting fireside. And almost yeah. that increase in that you're having there in circulation, a little bit of a heavier heartbeat maybe even happening in the chest right now. Again, that's flow, that's that's opening. that's you know part of what led me, as we work through this, part of what led me to um, training in Kundalini, for example, was was also an inquiry that perhaps I had shoved all my sexual, sensual energy, my Shakti, my Kundalini so far down into the bottom of my body, it basically ripped my insides about. And then learning how to draw that up and through as you're beginning to experience and that tightness in the jaw perhaps that you've also got going on about vocalizing, softly, gently, and being available for this great mystery that's I'm so intrigued this is this is really funny
0: because this is going um to all the listeners who obviously weren't part of our conversation earlier Mm -hmm. um you know we said we'd see where this went because Mm -hmm. there's so much to what you do and -hmm. something that I'm really interested in and I'm always kind of in a state of conflict about I guess is I so I'm I'm not even pretty sure like I'm 100% sure that I rejected um I don't want to use the word femininity but I Mm -hmm. had no interest in like starting my period or Mm -hmm. like growing breasts and Mm -hmm. wearing underwear like I still hate bras to this day like (laughs) I don't like wearing Mm -hmm. bras I tend not to Mm -hmm. um and I also don't love the idea of even though I've been known to wear the biggest Carrie Bradshaw kind of like heels and dresses Mm -hmm. ever I also don't I also feel that you know everyone should be able to dress how they want and if you want to you know just like not identifying as a woman or etc and I just wonder how that translates with this That's when I talk about like, you know, getting in touch with our femininity and maybe we've rejected like our womb space. How are you? You might not have the answer to this. So I'm just kind of interested, (laughs) like for people who don't identify as female, Mm -hmm. but were born, they were born female, but they don't feel Mm -hmm. that that was they're obviously feeling well i'm saying obviously but i don't know they may feel a rejection of their room space or femininity because they're actually thinking that they feel they're in the wrong body so okay, that's okay. kind of like a justified rejection but then how but if they have endometriosis as well oh, how do, do you see what i mean like how do mm-hmm. they come to peace with that because for example in um what's it called uh you can heal your lo- yeah, you can heal your life by Louise Hay. Um, she says that endometriosis is a rejection of like our womanhood, or so, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. And I just thought it was obviously written a long time ago, and it's a brilliant book. But it does make me think. Well, what about the people who? Yeah, they they don't embrace their womanhood because they don't feel like they're a woman, as in the way society sees a woman. Whatever that, whatever that may be. Maybe they don't identify as a man. Maybe I don't identify as like your as the gender that we you know the two genders we describe in society so I just that's something that I get really caught up on Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I don't know how to I want the podcast and my site to be as accessible as possible for everyone and I realize it's very far from that at the moment but at the same time I also see where I also know that I've personally rejected quite a lot of like my femininity and I think that's part of my issue that I've got to personally deal with so I know that there's some there's truth in that does that make sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so I just wondered mm-hmm. if you had any thoughts on that
1: yeah I think and I, I do want to thank you for 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 bringing that you know into the into the conversation because it is it's such an important part of it and also it's a bit it's a bit easy I think think um easy might not be the right word but yeah it is a bit um straightforward to say well you know anything we more orientated is is femininity and you're you're right I hear what you're saying around around that and also we are we're we're all of it we're all we're all male and we're all female you know we're all masculine mm. and we're all we're all feminine and there is a the body is the body is, everybody's is made differently, you know, how it's made up and, and how it feels inside. And I think, I think that what I had realised was, for my own experience, because of, I think, being on the contraceptive pill through my formative years, through adolescence, to young adulthood, my relationship to my body, and as a and as a woman was was interrupted and so you know and so essentially medically it had been it had been interrupted and therefore that you know therefore that was really part of an inquiry which which opened up for me I also um you know do I do I think that stands for me now I think that you know, I think that again, as as humans, the journey of reclamation of all of our parts is huge. You know, uh, wherever we are and however we sit in terms of the of of gender, if we even identify with a, a, a gender at all, like we're so in. You know, we're sort of so indoctrinated in in gender in in all of our language, in the masculine and feminine, in the you know, in how we describe it. That I suppose what I would want to say to people is that if we if we go under a layer again and were to express an inquiry as to simply how we might welcome more of our parts without them being identified either as masculine or feminine, but simply as us, then the inquiry becomes how do I learn to live and accept with myself exactly as I am right now? Now that inquiry becomes more potent if we feel that we have perhaps been a little bit unkind to ourselves during this lifetime, and therefore how might those actions have shown up. And so in those cases, whether related to endometriosis or not, there is another invitation to to welcome those wounds. And again, this is almost you know, the barbed wire of the of the puddle of the womb, as we were Mm -hmm. talking about earlier. And to simply realise that you know, self-care, and I'm training as a, as an interfaith minister this and next year, which, which is about unity. And, mm. you know, One Spirit Ministry is is about that which aligns and connects us. You know, it's our similarities. It's not about that which differentiates us. But something we've been in deep discussion and learning about is that self-care, self with a capital S, is actually care of the spirit. It's care of the soul. And when you ask what the soul needs and what the spirit needs and of course there's there's many many um there's many places and many uh traditions and faiths that believe the soul resides in the abdomen in the belly in in the and in wow. women that's the womb and you know in, in men that's that's around the that's still around the the lower pelvic region mm. if if we consider the inquiry from that place and therefore, self-care with a capital S is an inquiry about how to accept that we are both soul and body, or spirit and soul. And therefore, it's that connection which needs to be made. You know, a, a great teacher of mine, Megan Mortensen, always says we are one hundred percent divine, so the soul, the essence, and one hundred percent human. You know, we're also one hundred percent feminine. We're one hundred percent masculine. We're we're not parts. We're we're all of it. Yeah. So if we take the inquiry really deep, and this is the mystery, this is the great mystic, this is the old friend coming into the conversation now. And the inquiry becomes, you know, how do I, how do I show myself and the self again, the capital S, the soul, the spirit, the deepest of care, the greatest of love. Now, I'm not sure that this, that answers it or not, but I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I've, I'm curious as to where that that's taken us as well. Yeah. I mean, think it,
0: Oh, I think it was a really lovely answer, actually, and I feel that the listening in on our bodies and mm. many of us do have these internal battles where we reject certain parts of ourselves because of lots of different reasons. And so when we approach it as, right, I want to make peace with that mm. part of myself, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. That sits well with me because it's about mm-hmm. it, it's about making peace, whatever's whatever mm-hmm. it is, rather than mm-hmm. rather than me saying, "Okay, well, it's it's about um, you know, it's about accepting my womanhood mm-hmm. in in a stereotypical way," which mm-hmm. which I know that isn't what you meant, but I kind of wanted just to open up that discussion mm-hmm. um, and also with the with what you're talking about creation and spirit moving on um you know i wanted to go into your your work um because is it an interfaith minister that you're training Mm -hmm. to be right Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this is a subject that i haven't really we, we haven't touched upon that heavily um in the podcast we've kind of gone down the route of like um Kind of goddess power and divine feminine, but we haven't really gone down a route of like religion or faith. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm really interested in how that plays a part. And we we kind of already discussed that in the terms of like your meditation, your visualizations, and what you the connection you are having between spirit and body, and uh, what you heard as well when you came round. But how do you feel? I mean, do you want to explain actually what what you do already and what you're training to do first, and then that might give people more of an idea before
1: I start asking questions. <laughs> yeah, sure. So I, I'll I'll try brevity, and I always say if there's if there's anybody out there that can help me with the one-liner elevator pitch, then please get in touch because <laughs> that would be that would be marvelous. It, essentially, what I do is work with mind and body and spirit medicine Mm -hmm. so that's to meet you where you are and then to walk side by side with you across the next bridge your bridge from wherever you are to wherever you want to be and we walk side by side and i support you in that journey part of that is through spiritual counseling part of that is is traditional ish coaching but I'm never ever going to say hey write down your three goals and do that at Tuesday 10 30 and then let me know how you got on yeah and then through mentorship which is um you know which is much more of a conversational learning process so I also I talk about my work as as life strategy with spiritual direction but what led me um and it's probably worth saying so i I started training about 15 years ago um, So as a a Reiki master teacher, emotional freedom technique, Mm -hmm. uh, magnified healing, coaching, meditation, yoga, um, and then over the years working with people such as um, Tony Robbins, um, Dr. Robert Holden, um, and then um, other teachers alongside that. And then and kundalini also being part of that and so much more and then um yeah then uh, because of robert because of robert holdens he's a founding father of one spirit interfaith ministry mm-hmm. that was, him became aware of it again and it really is a place it's a place where we we study all of the faith paths okay. and, and and i'm i'm going to be using very specific language because it's interesting cause, um, uh, we do we do study organised religion, so mm-hmm. I think that's important to use that language very purposely because there's organised religion, there's absolutely faith paths, and then there's traditions, and so it's about understanding how very, very similar across many, many you know of the faith paths that there are we we all sit. Now it's also about understanding the collective wounds and recovery from a lot of traditional religions and faith paths that there are. And for me, part of part of being an interfaith minister is really important because women were ministers in the beginning. So it was women who were holding ministry, who were gathering, you know, we gather, we've always gathered in circle, you know, whether it was temple or red tent, Yeah. you know, songs which became the Psalms or, you know, um, goddess spaces, which then became churches and um, so ministry and church and tradition was really passed uh, woman to woman. And part of my own story and journey of reclamation is, is reclaiming ministry f- for women, you know, for where we are for the divine feminine. And mm-hmm. for me, this idea of, of, of ministry, it, it just really sums up that my role to to be of service and to be in partnership with creation where I'm not in the service industry, but I am of service. Um, um, it's, you know, it's about how, how can I, how can I help you return to you? How can I lead you home to yourself? Mm. How can I, you know, can I ensure that, you know, that no matter where you are in the world you can go within you can have a toolkit of practices that will help you. That's essentially what also led to my um, my new project, The Temple of the Ribcage, which is a place of community because loneliness is our biggest killer. Mm-hmm. People are actually isolated. If you are going through something in your body that you feel ravaged by, guilty about even, or, or just you don't have an understanding then you know we when one of us essentially heals or make a steps towards understanding then other other people do too mm-hmm. and life life gets a little bit easier and what i mean by easier is i mean we are understood and really that's so much of this human experience is that we often feel misunderstood and for me this it's ministry of of mysticism or mystery, if you will, is the the inquiry of how do I understand myself more so that I might understand you more and therefore reduce and dissolve the false illusion that we were ever separate in the first place.
0: I think this is so interesting because, I mean, this is why I wanted you on and I, I wonder if some people may be wondering why I like why we're talking about faith and um you know religion and spirituality in relation to endometriosis but I think there is I like to look at it from a holistic point of view Mm -hmm. and I think that firstly of course your journey on a on a spiritual level it has helped your body heal But also this idea that you're, you know, the isolation, the loneliness, those are very, very real parts of living with endometriosis Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this rejection of the self and the depression, the anxiety, those can all be really difficult things to deal with, especially when you're doing it on your own or at least you feel you're doing it on your own. And what really interests me is that I'm I'm not religious. So, you know, I'm, I'm not Christian. I'm, I don't ascribe to any religion. But I have a real, real yearning to find some kind of spiritual home. And mm-hmm. I, I can't mm-hmm. really put my finger on it. I remember reading <laughs> Eat, Pray, Love. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you read it? Mm-hmm. Yes. The moment yeah. when she's like writing and she gets an answer back from you know god whoever Mm -hmm. and and i just remember feeling jealous like (laughs) i want to Mm -hmm. know what that feels like because i've had fleeting moments when i have it and it goes Mm -hmm. and um i so last year i started listening to um harry potter and the sacred text have you heard Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. the podcast Yeah. yeah so for anyone who hasn't listened to it if you're a fan of harry potter this is amazing um it's uh two um they're like lecturers aren't they at a uni Mm. um and they read harry potter as if it was a sacred text so the bible Mm. the quran and they take life lessons from it and that the podcast has taught me so much about life and myself in the past year that it's really really helped me with my emotional journey with endometriosis from you know depression anxiety etc loneliness and and also just acceptance of myself my body even listening to them talk about um oh my gosh how can i forget his name right now but the um d- the teacher who's a werewolf and the cycles that he goes through every month mm-hmm. was such a moving chapter that they went through for me mm-hmm. and then also i've been listening to rob bell he again so he uses the bible and, and lots of other religions actually to teach life lessons again so similar in a way to the harry potter and sacred text because it's all about life lessons and Mm. that has been so just so amazing to me because you know i as women of course many of us have issues with the church because of the patriarchy that exists and you know the witch hunts and just so many different wounds that have been inflicted on women so and I feel that about many other religions so trying to find somewhere where you can call your spiritual home and nurture your soul and find a sense of community that has a bit more of a spiritual element if that's what you're looking for is very hard when it comes to religion because many of us feel like we can't be feminists or uh you know um feel empowered as women if we Mm if we're in a religion and that's not for every, you know not everyone feels mm. like that but that's how I feel so finding these um podcasts has been so um profound in my healing journey so I I think that for some people not everyone's going to need this in their healing journey but for some people I think this could really um touch a nerve where they're like actually this is this is what i need and part of my healing journey needs to be my spirit as well and it can be really lonely trying to find that place and that's why what you do you know the interfaith work is so interesting um and can be so important on this journey so that that wasn't really a question it was just (laughs) me just going you know um on a bit of a tangent about it but i just I think we can really um, trick ourselves into thinking that when it comes to the physical body, we just have to isolate a certain organ and like pump it with drugs. Mm-hmm. And that's all that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more that can be done to help ease, even just, even just a sense of peace, just having a sense mm-hmm. of peace can change how we um, look after our bodies or think about living with endometriosis, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, I don't really know how to like round that up. I just think that that's just really um, interesting and important that we consider yeah. it.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And and again, what I think I would say is that the yeah, I mean the 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 difference that we're witnessing in organised religions, faith paths, and traditions is, you know, is is a really important inquiry as well in terms of of where that takes you and that's that's exactly what Temple of the Ribcage is about because it's all about walking through the, the ribcage specifically, but it is about that archway into yourself. This work is an invitation that I you know that I am the instrument for is an invitation to help you return to you to walk into the cathedral that is you, you know, that extraordinary feeling you get when sometimes you do walk into a cathedral yeah. or an art gallery or the, mm-hmm. or a temple, and it takes your breath away, the jewels, yeah. the colors, that is you, that is already you, that is inside of you, that's who each of us is, and this question mark we have about having to go outside of ourselves and, and walk through the front doors of traditional religions or or perhaps places of faith. If you're if you're just walking in there on a on a Saturday or a Sunday, but actually you're not living your life through traditions, rites of passage, ceremony, or devotion every other day, then then that's as much, then that's as much of a challenge as, as anything else. But this whole thing, you know, even like laying and it could well be. And I'm just thinking if this is where in this conversation, perhaps Temple of the Ribcage was actually born 20 years ago for me. The moment, the first moment I lay my own hands upon my own body and mm. said, show me, show me what is going on inside of here so that I can I can be part of this healing process. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's so much in there and it's, it's definitely giving me you know, something to go away and and, and think about as well that yeah as we as we gather and it is important that we gather it's important that we gather when we're when we're with pain when we're without pain when we're with joy when we're without joy you know in in you know in the one of the four strands of buddhism you know buddha often talks about there's there's there you know there isn't any pain or no pain but there's gross sensation and, and subtle sensation and there's you know there's inquiry just around the again there's just little there's nuggets in all of this, but without essentially bastardizing every faith path or tradition, but there's a lot that can be found there's a lot that can bring us comfort and and actually, what you're talking about, I feel like is um and what we're beginning to reach into around this idea of comfort and peace is actually being soothed mm. that what soothes us. You know, because again, rejecting so much of us thinking we must be like this or like that, we must change into this, you know, way more, way less, look like this, don't look like that, you know, have this on my body, don't have this on my body, you know, ink myself to be individual, you know, tattoo, you know, all all these different steps that we take towards this idea of individuality. And yet what we crave most as humans and what is essential for our species is connection. Because, you know, again, loneliness is our biggest killer, right now people Mm -hmm. are are, you know dying of isolation and loneliness it's why metropolises are so full you know of of people who feel completely isolated because just because you live somewhere with hundreds of thousands or millions of people doesn't mean that you have community yeah yeah doesn't mean that you have community and that for me is what is such a huge uh, part of this And I think sometimes when we're in community, it can be very easy to to also lean into a little bit like the Louise Hay book. You know, how do I heal my life? Oh, oh, it's that. Oh, yeah, I've got that, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely me. It may be. But go on the inquiry first for yourself. Ask your body the question you know, come back and, and see who you can, you know, ask for guidance, you know, you can say, look, universe, I really don't know how to do this. You might even think it's complete BS, you know, but you can say, like, look, there has to be another way. Show me, guide me. Where are the breadcrumbs? Take me there. You know, see, see what happens. That's, you know, that's how I've led a lot of my life. And when I, when I, well, what what I know in, in, um, in, uh, with the Christian mystics, handover prayers, Uh, you know, this idea that we hand everything over to God, there is a, there can be a great freedom in that. It It can be utterly terrifying as well. There's, there's no getting away from that. But even also in Hinduism, you know, Krishna invites us to hand everything over to Krishna, all pain, all pleasure, all experiences, devote everything to Krishna and allow all of it to be part of the connection You know, to the great architect, essentially, to the great mystery. And again, for me, these things bring us peace, because they have been written about for 1000s of years. The love is the thing that binds us all together. Love is what we're really talking about. It is dissolving the concept that we're not worthy of love, it's dissolving the concept that being on our own is going to save other people, it won't. It is about self capital, s care, but really that's about us being part of love, which is who we all are. that's what runs through our marrow. Can we love will you be willing to love your pain as much as your pleasure? you know will you be willing to love your you know aff- afflictions if you will, knowing that they are part of who you are and to welcome them back into yourself any time I have tried to cut part of myself out or cut cut other people out, and I use that language very purposefully, it doesn't work. Immediately, mm. I look at it and accept it exactly like we were talking about earlier, accept it for what it is, that it is part of me, whether I like it or not. You know, similarly, you know, kind of for like endometriosis, polycystic ovaries, they form a cold and irritation. You know, the the pearl cannot be created without the oyster being irritated. The seed cannot emerge from the ground without the husk being irritated by gravitational pull, the lunar calendar that you're talking about with Professor Lupin. Lupin. Yeah, you know, we are, we have all of this delicious, information around, you know, the, the our own cycles, nature's cycles, you know, that of the planets, that of the many moons, because again we've become you know, we've become absolutely indoctrinated with basically our single planet's moons, but actually our solar system, there's thousands of moons. What if we started to work with all of them? I mean, I don't even know what that would be like. You know, Gosh, it's, yeah, wow. yeah, you, know, yeah. I mean, it makes the brain go. Yeah. It doesn't really <laughs> feel your thing because it, because we're so much more. Mm. You know, we're we we are the cosmos, and and it is us. And inquiry, even through pain, through that inquiry, through that curiosity, um, you know, through the yeah life lessons in everything, even even, you know, when you just want to say F off to all of it and stay under the duvet, you know, that also imagine that that too could be, you know, handed over to the holy ones who only want what's best for us, which is to remember, you know, that we are children of creation, that we can co-create a different way forward, that we can align with community. And that's very important, particularly with the depression and anxiety and the separation that we were speaking of, the isolation also that can happen in today's society and and let you know really let our let our human family accept all of us and that happens more easily when we accept ourselves and we realize it's possible to to connect you know to say i love you to yourself to say i love you to the parts of us that are screaming out to have a conversation and then to go within and and really find out, you know, what's a step that can be taken. What can I do for you today? What can I do for you today? That's that's where we begin.
0: Thank you so much. I think it's um, going to really resonate with some listeners. And if it if it does resonate with people and mm. they want to um, come to Temple the Ribcage, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. is your next
1: event? So the next event is for Temple of the Rib Cage is Saturday, the 3rd of March. Okay. It's in, it's in London mm-hmm. and it's at Stretch Studios and you can buy tickets now and it's from three till five. So it's only a couple of hours. There's a little bit of meditation, a little bit of talking. Lots of community, and I always invite. If you see people, if you see somebody you really like the look of, please go and say hello, because you just <laughs> never know where that relationship will take you. Yeah. But every, everything's on the website, so gailshock dot love. Everyone can find everything there.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. I just sure. love everything that you've said, and I feel there's lots to go away and like think about now. Mm. Mm. So yeah, thank you so much. It's been an honour right. to have you on. Thank you. So that's it thank you so much for listening if you liked this podcast please rate review subscribe share um it will help others to find this podcast and my aim is to help as many people living with endometriosis as possible finally again if you're interested in taking the course or finding out more the links to the gluten-free academy are in the show notes and if you use those links to enroll then that will support the podcast um, I'm generally hanging out on Instagram which is at underscore, no it's not, it's at this underscore endo endolife. Um, you can read more about living with endo tips, um, experiences etc on my website this endolife.com and in my column on endometriosis news. Also my book club launches on Saturday, it's totally free um, and except for obviously buying the books so yeah it would be lovely to see you there if you want to find out more about that i've linked in the show notes too i hope you guys have a great two weeks and i will be back with our final episode of the season yeah in two weeks time bye